Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm fine, generally, yeah. I'm hoping Good. for the sun to return at some point. Oh, and enough with the hailstorms. I know. What's going on? <laughs> mm. Mm. I know. It's just rude. It should be spring now. Yeah, really should be. Oh. Yeah. What about you? How are you? I'm okay. I'm just, we're, we're kind of in the middle of term, so it's just a mix of draft reading and MAs and marking dissertations from BAs mm. at the moment. Mm. So it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's nice seeing what they produce at the end. Yes. Well, I was in the museum this week. And, yes, uh, that's exciting. Yeah, that's very exciting. And um, I was doing work predominantly on our Collecting COVID project. But I also have to get through some acquisitions that I haven't been dealing with during the last year or so. So, and I've been, so I've been cataloging actually some dress objects or getting them ready for the committee. You you actually had your hands on things. Yes, my my gloved hands, obviously. Um, Of course, of course. And yeah, I mean, I can't say that much because we haven't, you know, I'm preparing them for the committee, so they hopefully will go through. So what happens? So you, so it's that someone donates something. Tell me the process. Okay, so, well, someone donates something and I can think I can say as much that these are um, skating outfits, fancy dress skating outfits. Fancy dress skating? Yes. Because they used to have all these ice carnivals on the um, ice skating rinks. So these are from between the wars and they were worn by three sisters. <gasps> and um, wow. so therefore, I think the youngest might have been three even or something like that when, when oh she was starting goodness. to skate. So all of that I need together. Um, so they've donated it. I've made I've I've made a list a long time ago, but I didn't photograph them. So I so I was photographing them, measuring them, you know, writing a bit more detailed information. And it's a bit tricky. There's one set of outfits which is two sort of coat dress type things and matching knickers and belts, and it's a bit tricky to figure out which you know which belongs to which. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, so I have to go by the size, but even that is not that easy but anyway so I and then I have to write a statement why we should take it and then I need to write a statement about the rights the copyright situation um we need to look at whether any data protection issues which there there won't be in this case but you know if you take a diary or something like that you have to look at that and then the conservators have to look at it and make a statement you know if it's in a not very good state we might still take it but they you know they might want to say something about that and they also need to say how it should be stored so and then um i think that's probably most of it is the images need to be uploaded on our database which i can't do but i need to ask someone else to do that so it's it is i'd say it's probably a day or two's work it's quite it's quite a lot of work just to prepare it it? yeah just to prepare it and then who does it go to who makes the decision so there is a, a committee and that that's all minuted, what they're discussing, you know, so people can mm. ask for access to it. And that's sort of various people, you know, our head of department, director of content, someone from conservation. So, 
and they they look at everything and I don't necessarily know what my other colleagues are putting forward so it's sort of to see all you know all the different objects yeah. together and then they make a decision and then some more stuff has to happen afterwards you you should have have it photographed properly you need to label it which in our case means sewing in some labels most of the time you need to pack it up properly um some more cataloging possibly and then the registrars also do some some things they need to send out some documents for the donor to send back so it's you know that's part it is a lot so that sometimes when it's some objects they're sort of nice but you think should we really take this because this will take a lot a lot of time to put through I'm sorry, Coda um, can hear a crow, and he's 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 complaining about this crow. I can't hear that at the moment. So <laughs> <laughs> that's really fascinating, though, and it's really like, what percentage of things get through the committee? Like, do you usually think, oh, it'll just go through, or are you, oh no, is there a real chance? Yeah, I I do always feel it's a bit like a pitch, you know, right, and and right. so I I do I do. It, I don't take it for granted, but obviously I do ask before I even start, I usually ask some people what they think. So I wouldn't undertake all this work if I wasn't quite sure that it would go through, but it has happened. You know, I've had, I had things rejected. And can you appeal? Like if they say, (laughs) do they have to give reasons why not? And then can you appeal? Yeah, it's not totally a formal process like that, but sometimes... Sometimes they have questions right. and they say they won't they won't consider it until these questions have been answered. Oh. So, you know, so sometimes it, it's deferred and then you have to do a bit more work. Um, oh, he's really unhappy, isn't he? He really, there's a crow and he just thinks he's not happy with the crow. Okay. Which I understand. I'm not a fan of crows. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, but that's really interesting because you don't sort of think about what happens no. once the donation is made. And and also that there's this whole process yeah. that you have to go through. And do they, so w- one of these meetings would be for any object, for any department of the museum? Yes. Yeah. So the meetings are once a month uh-huh. and everything we take on, whether it's a donation, whether it costs, whether there's a budget attached to it, mm. everything we take on has to go through that process Um, and are they like are they the committee are they sort of thinking in i guess they're thinking like in relation to the museum's mission yeah it has to you oh that i i forgot to say that so you also as part of you it's called a statement of significance where you say why we should Uh take it and you you know if we have you know if it's a wedding dress you need to Mm. say what similar ones you have or may not have or So, um, but you also have to say how it relates to um, our our collections policy. So it also has to fit in with that. So they look at that. They look at potentially storage implications. Mm. They look at what what it could be used for, you know, in the future, what kind of stories. You know, sometimes you have objects. Oh, that's interesting. You could put into very different contexts. You know, there are different things you can use. You can, it sounds weird to say, you can use them to tell different things and that's you know that's obviously really really good so yeah it's it's a it's a lot of considerations it's a lot for them to read you know before every meeting there's quite a lot to get through um and they're they're famously long meetings these 
um, collations committee meetings. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And it must be difficult if someone's donated something. It must be difficult if it's then not taken to tell yeah. the person. Yeah, that has to me. I can't remember how often it has happened, but I I do remember particularly one time when that happened. But you know, you have to tell all this to people at the yes, beginning. Of course, you of say course, it, there is a chance. That we we can't take it in which case i i have to give it back to you so yeah that that isn't great but you know normally now it it i think it was quite early on when i was quite new and i hadn't mm. sort of quite figured out well i i i i hope it thinks i know better now what <laughs> what is the right thing for the museum or what isn't yes um, yeah mm. of course and are you like with donations, do you actively seek out donations when you know you want a particular kind of thing, or is it more waiting and seeing what people give? Well, we we have this project we had now for a while with a group of curators called Curating London, and they sort of mm. actively go out and look for things. We haven't done that so much, although um, my colleague Lucy is currently working at a project where she actively is going out to buy things. Um, but you know, I think I talked before about the project we did, What Muslims Wear. So that was again, oh, I remember, yes, yeah, longer yes. projects where we tried, where we obtained objects from young, young Muslims in London. So, but these projects, they take time and money. So we don't, you know, we haven't had that much chance to do something like that. On the, on the whole, it is seeing what people, what people offer. Um, mm. yeah. And we get offered much more than then we take much more. Of course. Mm. And do you see other like trends in what people offer? Yes. Um, there are trends, sometimes a high profile auction. Like at some point there was a lot of Aussie Clark. Um, yes, and that was yes. also in auctions. But I think maybe that has partly maybe to do with the auction, but also it seems to be people when they sort of reach 60-ish, they go. Right. They start going through their closets, and usually they've kept stuff from when they were in their twenties. So you often get things from like forty, thirty, forty years ago, or fifty years. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So it's either people themselves going through or descendants going through. So that's that's usually what happens. It's it's rare that people, you know, five years, ten years after they've worn something, would offer it. That doesn't really. I can't remember whether that ever happened. Um, wow! So, so about it's like eight. A life stage. Yeah, so about eight, ten years ago, someone gave us a lot of things from the sort of eighties and nineties. So that was, you know, that was actually quite soon after. That was relatively soon after she had sort of worn, yeah. worn them. Um, but that's and quite I wonder, unusual. I wonder if it's that people think think you know previously in their lives they would think i'll give this to a charity shop or i'll give it to my friend and then they reach a point where they think this is this is old enough to become museum worthy do you see what i mean yeah i i think that's actually a really interesting point i'm not sure whether anyone has written about what the motivations are for people yeah. to give stuff to museums That'd i think be interesting wouldn't it yeah it varies a lot some people are they're, they're very, um, they think their history or the history of the family needs to be preserved. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one reason it's not necessarily about the object itself. 
Right. Um, so you, but that's quite rare in a way. I think in, in some ways the opposite of what you just said has happened. I think people in the past gave more things to the museum, whereas now oh, they might they might sell it in various in various ways, you know. That's definitely that's definitely been a trend. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. I wonder if like a, I wonder if people who are sort of in their twenties now who are used to like selling their things on Depop and whatever, I wonder what they'll do when they're in their sixties, whether they'll have sold everything already. Yeah, I know. Because it is it is interesting this idea that you monetize your wardrobe. And yeah. I can see that that then could cause a problem for museums because people are seeing their clothes in a different way. They're seeing them as things that still have value and resale and that you do that to refresh your wardrobe or you do that rather than giving to charity shops or donating to a museum. Yeah, exactly. I think the... The other thing also is oh no I've forgotten what the other thing was oh, oh yeah what I was I was gonna say is um, people also often think you know they they only think of the their best things you know their wedding dresses yes. or yes. and so I think that is really something we need to get out more this idea that we're not just interested in in that we're actually interested in in everyday clothes. Because that's so important, and that must, and that's always the thing that it's hard to find. Like when you're doing research, that's the thing exactly. that's hard to find yeah. examples of. Mm, isn't it? Mm, exactly, yeah. Because I know, like in my own work, kind of looking for twenties, thirties every day, you can find it. It is there, but it's so much easier to find designer things, or mm. as you say, like wedding dresses. Yeah, and I suppose it is that there's maybe more of a mindset of donating to a museum for people who do wear couture, that they see it as an investment mm. that then gets preserved. And maybe in the past, museums have been more interested in that kind of clothing as well. Yeah, and some museums still are. That's their remit, you know, yes, which is so, totally yes, fine. It's, oh, yes. It's yeah, we, just, but the point is we need it all. Yeah, exactly. And our remit is just a bit different. Um, I wondered... When Topshop went under, I wondered if any, Uh, I I kind of hoped Mm. that they would donate some things to people because that's a good point, actually. It's Mm. like it's it's past its prime, hence everything that happened. But, you know, it it would be so good. One of my students, my MA students, did her virtual exhibition proposal on Topshop, which was really great. Yes, that's such a good idea. She was having to trawl through like eBay and Depop Mm. and all those kind of sites to find examples because she couldn't find them in museums and yet there was such a moment like in the early aughts where it was such an important place for fashion in London yeah but I wonder how much people have thought about that that but it but it's difficult if people can make some money from their clothing you can see that why shouldn't they do that but on the other hand it would be very nice if they would give some good stuff I know that's a really good point I hope I mean, I still have a Topshop um, jumpsuit that I wore for for several openings. Um, wow! Well, that's that's historic. So yeah. That should definitely so maybe be. I should put that in the. I uh, should write a statement of significance. Um, oh, I I could write the statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a really Topshop is a really good point. I, we have some things, but not much, and I. It'd be lovely to have some some early stuff, but I suspect that is not around. We did get 
again, that was, I'm not sure it would have, was a full-blown trend, but Laura Ashley for a while we were offered quite a lot. Oh, did you? That's um, good. Though. And some really early, some really early stuff, like an apron, I think, someone bought really, really early. And um, that was really nice. Did she start in the 60s? Yeah, and I think, it, yeah. I might remember wrong, but I do think that the apron is, is from that period and someone just kept it all their life and I think wore it for gardening more recently. So, well, I mean, that's it, a very nice thing yeah, to wear. It wasn't in the best of shapes, but we still thought it was a really good Definitely. thing to have. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess, yeah, it, it's like there's such a mentality of resale and and kind of thinking about your wardrobe as some you know all these rental places as well that are developing online yes mm. of of seeing your wardrobe as less permanent yeah well I... not permanent but you know what i mean i don't mean it was ever permanent but just seeing it as something that you you use and think about and interact with in a very different way mm. and that does that does make it different in terms of seeing things as museum worthy yeah that's true and again, it's a sort of an interesting phenomenon also maybe to to document in some way. Yes, it would be interesting to document how people of different generations are thinking about their wardrobes and what they do with things that they don't want to wear anymore. Yeah, and also I think, I mean, that's slightly different, but I do remember taking on, it was a sort of kaftan-like dress I think of men made fiber not not silk and I think mm. so, if I remember correctly someone bought that on eBay and then wore it to a party and it was a London designer I think or London ready to wear company yeah. but but part of the appeal was that the person had bought it on eBay um, oh that's interesting so it's like you're that's so interesting so because I hadn't thought of that that you you know I've thought you know you've shown things to me and to my students before where it's about how important the garment is as a piece of history and how it connects to the wearer Mm. but it's interesting to think about it in terms of how they got that item as well yeah and I think when I originally when Hilary also was working still there we were much more focused on on making sure we've got examples of London ready-to-wear houses London shops and often the personal story we weren't too worried about. And now right. that's sort of shifted quite a bit towards the yeah. sort of personal story. And I'm sometimes not sure that is... I mean, ideally ideally we would have both. It's just, yes. you know, that we, we often... Or not often, but when you get offered something from a dressmaker or so you haven't had before. Um, in the past, I probably would have taken that just to have an example whereas I'm now thinking about that a bit more is is that really going to help us having one example from this this place on the other hand if if we don't take it you know there might all these dressmakers all these you know there's so few there are all these women primarily we know worked as dressmakers in London and some did use um, labels a lot of them obviously didn't and you know that that this one thing I just love to know do more about and you know have some massive um, database where you can you know connect it to a map where you can sort of see that there was a dressmaker amazing. yeah that there would was... be such an mm. amazing project mm. and it would be yes it would be so great it would be so fascinating as a geography of london of where mm. the dressmakers lived and whether they lived where they worked and mm. sold mm. but 
also to honour those women who were so fundamental to yeah. so many wardrobes and to so much clothing. Mm. When when do you think that sort of stopped in the 60s or 70s? Yeah, I think probably. I mean, what is quite in yeah, I think that's probably when it when it stopped when you get sort of mm. more cheaper ready to wear. Yes, um, and I suppose better quality ready to wear as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people still for a long time had things made, particularly if you were a bit older. I think that definitely yes. happened in the 60s and, and 70s still. I mean, it mm. still happens for, for some people. But yeah, I would say that's probably about it. It was also at some point, I know that's sort of adjacent and not the same, but I was looking at the King's Road and what sort of shops were there. And there were quite yes. a lot of dye places as well, you know, where you can have oh, your stuff redyed. So I think that's that's interesting and that at some point stops you know it doesn't people don't yes. obviously don't do that anymore because they can just buy buy something else if something's faded but that's so i love that as an idea of how you would zhuzh up your clothes yes. that you would get them dyed another color yeah it still exists for high-end stuff i think yeah one of my um, newer colleagues she worked for a place where they did that with sort of high-end leather goods you could, right. um, yeah, if something happened to them, you know, you could have them repaired, redyed. It sounded, yeah, sounded really interesting. I didn't know of that because I don't have any high-end leather goods. No, um, but that, I, d- yeah. I do. Obviously, I think I've told you before that I send my, my ripped sweaters, cashmere, to, there's a great place that does men's Oh, in this, yeah, mending, yeah. Mm. I wonder whether that comes back more, you know, now that people are more... In, well, I interested so. in keeping things for longer. But, it, but it's interesting just to think of how much more common those kind of places were because it's like I was talking to my neighbour who's lived in my street for about 40 years and she was telling me what the shops at the top of the road were on the main road mm-hmm. and that there was a men's tailor and now it seems inconceivable yes. that there would be a men's tailor just at the top of a I know. Street. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because because that's something I like on the walk to um, Vernon Square where the courtyard is at the moment. There's a men's tailor that looks like it's been there for decades, and I always think, oh, I should go in one day and talk to them. But they probably think, who are you? <laughs> Get out of the shop because it's just kind of fascinating. Yeah, the city as well. I mean, the city is different mm. from you know a little bit further out, but the city was full with men's tailors. There were so I many. Know, isn't that mm. interesting? Wow, yeah. I think we've thought of about 15 PhD or I know. <laughs> slash exhibitions. I know. Um, wow, so interesting. Goodness, so when will you hear, when will you hear about these? Because um, I'm fascinated, that's a whole other thing to learn. Yeah, that when I... when dress on skates. Yeah, when, when they hopefully have gone through. It might mm, not be... For a little while. I'm not sure I'll manage to get it all done for July, although I will do my best. Okay, because that I need to know more about. Yeah, no, they are quite fascinating. They sound it. Well, thank you, Beatrice. Well, no, thank you for your interest. Um, Well, thank thank you for interesting me. (laughs) This could go on forever. (laughs) It really could. But we should probably go now and think about our wardrobe attitudes. Yes, we should, yeah. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.